How did you first get into reptiles? Oh God, when I was a kid, like I was, uh, I was always fast. I wanted to be a herpetologist, right? Which is a guy who studies reptiles and amphibians. And so uh, living in, we were living in Winnipeg. And so I started writing to universities and stuff, you know, what are the opportunities for herpetologists in Canada? Well, there ain't a hell of a lot of reptiles in Canada, right? So uh, the, the guy, I forget what university wrote me back, and I was only in grade seven or something, right? And he said, well, you know, the, the, there's not a heck, heck of a lot of opportunities for herpetologists in Canada. You might want to think of doing something else, right? So, so needless to say, I never got into it, but, but I was always into it. I was always into it. Do you remember how that happened? Like was it like did you see something on tv or no, i was just always lifting up rocks and i was looking under you know boards and you know all kinds of stuff you know just looking i always loved nature I, you know i've yeah. been in nature not forever so i was always looking at stuff but they just uh, fascinated me you know and i used to i, I used to have you know, I'm just thinking things are come back to me you know, about having snakes at home and getting out my, here's a great story <laughs> all right i just remember this now we, we're living in winnipeg i got an iguana you know, you know what a guan is. Mm -hmm. So we, um, well, uh, we had a Jamaican cleaning lady. So the, uh, I had the aquarium out in the backyard, and uh, she's cleaning everything. You know, she's oh, I'll clean the aquarium out too, right? Oh, I just remembered another story too. <laughs> so she's cleaning the aquarium. Well, of course, she takes the lid off. The iguana moves. That was it for her, right? She, we, they, had, my parents had to phone her husband to come and get her because she was running down the street going Aah! like this, right? So then my iguana got out, and the cleaning lady never came back. Two days later, the police came because the neighbor reported a dinosaur in her tree. <laughs> it was my iguana. It was only like two feet long, right? There's a dinosaur in my tree, right? So. Uh, and then I have another cleaning lady story. Living in Ottawa, uh, we might we go down into the states, right? And uh, I was really young then. But it, at like uh, I don't know what the chain stores are called down there, like you know, same thing like Woolworths and Craig's. But it was right. a chain. But they used to sell baby alligators in the in the pet departments there, right? So I, you know, I got a baby alligator, and uh, back then you could take anything across the border, you know, even so baby alligators. Yeah. So my dad's would always got a little alligator. Oh, that's fine, sir. Go ahead, right? <laughs> So off we go back to my, so we're living out and cleaning lady, a French Canadian cleaning lady, same thing. She goes, she opens the lid to the aquarium and, and the alligators in like five inches of water just sitting there. So she goes to clean it up. It bites her on the finger right away, right? She goes, whoa, whoa boom, throws it on the floor and beats it to death with the broom, right? <laughs> I come home from school and I hear what happened. I'm crying, you know, my, my little alligator is dead, right? Well, yeah, lots of, yeah, I've always been into reptiles <laughs> and the... You know, and then we'd get, you know, and then Sand, like I told you, my wife, Sandra, she, every, you know, everything would get out. The snakes would get out. The frogs would get out. The, I used to have these things called Madagascar day geckos. And they were really smart. You'd, like you'd have an aquarium on end like this. And then you have the screen on the front. Well, these things figured out if they jump from the glass to the screen, they could pop it off. So they'd pop the thing off. And uh, <laughs> I came home one day and Sandra said, yeah, she says, I was cleaning the place up and... I looked on the floor and I said, wow, that, that looks like gecko poo. And then she looks up on the ceiling and there it is because they got those pads, right? And it's, it's stuck to the ceiling looking down at her, right? Well, I put her through the mill. She's a I'm very sure. patient, patient wife. Yeah. She never complained about it? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, but uh, she was very tolerant. And she kind of liked them, too. They're, you know, they were fat. I mean, I had these things called uh, White's Tree Frogs. They're from Australia. And so, uh, and she's a really light sleeper, like sounds bugger, right? So the the sink was dripping 
right? And she's going, oh, God, you know, the sink. And the, the, it was raining out, and the window was open, and we live near the 401, right? So when the traffic is, it's the sound gets amplified, right? So she's going, oh, Jesus, the traffic, the, the, the thing dripping. Well, rain stimulates the frogs, right, in the breeding season. So how is she saying this all of a sudden? Wah, 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 really loud. And that, was, that was it. It was just, you know, the, the icing on the cake, right? So this frog screaming at the top of his lungs. In case you're wondering, mm-hmm. the reptile lover that I'm talking to is Omar oh. Tanuk <laughs> from Fathead, the bass player, also an incredible artist, painter, I oh, guess. Oh, well, thank you, Michael. And um, a, a very talented person. So mm. I'm, I'm really um, happy that you could sit down and chat with me today. <laughs> well, I'm going to make you a reptile convert. <laughs> Watch what you end up at the end of this conversation. Right? <laughs> so you, what do you have now? I have one corn snake, an albino corn snake called Sammy. And if my wife knows that I've gone to the pet store, I get strip searched at the door. <laughs> I'm not allowed to bring anything more into the house. Right? What is it about reptiles that that attracts you to them? I don't know. I guess it's like people, you know, you got dog lovers, you got cat lovers, you get, you know, rodent lovers, I guess. I don't know. Uh, they're just, they're fascinating. Their lifestyles are, uh, their life cycles are amazing. You know, they're... Uh, uh, yeah, they're just, they're just real interesting. Now, have you ever had a cat or a dog? Yeah, uh, younger, yeah. But we've never, um, with Sandra, no, like with, we've never had like just reptiles, right? Okay, so like, do you get attached to them the same way or is it different? Well, they're not, uh, you know, they're not huggy huggy or anything, <laughs> you know, no. you know, unless they're trying to choke you to eat you, you know, if they're big enough. But no, they're, they're just real interesting. And they all have different temperaments, you know, all different types of reptiles have different temperaments. Like the corn snake I got is the most mildest mannered thing you could ever meet. You can hold it and. And then I had these other things. You can hold it, not me. Oh, you you know what? Come over one time. I guarantee, I had a friend who had the biggest snake phobia. And I got him to touch it. And he said, wow, they think, everybody thinks they're slimy, right? They're as smooth as silk. They, they feel and how really, long is this thing? This one's about five and a half feet long. How thick would it be? Like thick what? enough to eat you, probably. No, no, it's about, uh, I don't know, it's about like that, whatever that would be. You know, okay. like, a, like a jumbo hot dog. Right. But as thick as a jumbo okay, hot dog. So they're not huge. No, no, okay. they're not. No, and they're very docile. You know, these ones are. Wow. Um, so, I want to ask you about your musical mm-hmm. career. And you have you've been playing for a long time. When did no. how did music come into your life? Oh, when I was in grade six or seven, I started. Uh, uh, we decided to start a band, and so um, I was. Uh, I. I play guitar but I couldn't play guitar so they said that's it you're playing bass so I was the bass player in the band right and uh, what kind of music did you play? it was it was uh well you know we were listening to the who and all those kind of things but we were playing blues and I, I, I had a friend Greg Barrett who I used to go to school with in Winnipeg and in grade seven one day he just got up and left and went to Toronto and it was a talk of the neighborhood like what's this what's Greg doing right and he went to he came to Toronto and he went down to the riverboat and all that kind of stuff and uh it, that's he turned me on to like Paul Butterfield and uh, and all the Chicago blues and all that kind of stuff and uh, and he still I think he's still today he's uh, I think he books David Vest oh. yeah and uh, so he he got me into all this stuff so we had this band and uh, you know we played blues and I, I listened to everything but I, I like I, I like I just liked it you know and actually the Cream I, I remember listening to the Cream 
and they were doing that type of music too but it was abstracted into mm-hmm. that rock form they did and then i started reading and oh this is an old blues tune right so then you start searching what that's from you know and all that kind of stuff but i listened to lots of different stuff but uh you know i, I like funk and th- that came on later on so i know that in the early days of toronto you you played with a lot of blues greats yeah i had the opportunity paul butterfield, paul butterfield, butterfield yeah, and uh he was great to play with and uh Eddie James and uh, John Lee Hooker, uh, Big you, Mama Thornton. Can you just paint a picture of what that scene was like back then? It was really vibrant, you know, and there was there was places to play, believe it or not. You know, there was clubs you could play in, and you could play six, seven nights a week, no problem. Right? What what time frame are we looking at here? Uh, late, like, well, I guess the 70s on. I, I moved to Vancouver for a while and played out there for a while and then came back. But, um, you know, Young Street was happening, and uh, there was a place called Forbes Tavern. Mm-hmm. There was a bit of incident. And Grossman's is always happening. It doesn't matter what's going on there. And uh, the Elma Combo, um, the Paramount Tavern. That was an interesting place. It's a liquor store on uh, on Spadina now. But it used to be, a, it, it, all, there was a, a port, upstairs was the main bar, and it was, uh, Portuguese ran it, and they had the best, food there was unbelievable all the seafood but an endless draft right and then downstairs was completely black it was you know all all the black people and we would go down there and uh it was quite the scene down there and uh gary Kendall, all of us used to go down there and hang out and uh yeah there was all kinds of nonsense going on down there so how was that you would wind up playing with people like paul butterfield and edda james well uh the the brunswick house uh, had a house band. I was part of the house band. They were called uh, the Brunswick All Stars, mm-hmm. and so uh, Donna McCallum was there at the time, and it, I think Derek was. Yeah, Derek was involved in the Brunswick House for quite a while, and so uh, they'd get these bands, and they'd need you know backup. Uh, uh, they bring these artists, and they need backup bands, and so we would be the backup band. So we'd get to backup you know Butterfield and Etta, and and then the other times when I backed up. Uh, Big Mama Thornton and Johnny Hooker. I was in this band called Wooden Teeth, and uh, <clears throat> I guess we were well known at the time or something. We got called to back them up, and uh, we um, the promoter said, "Okay, look, can you go and meet the people? You know, meet Big Mama Thornton and, and John Lee, and just see what you're going to play that night." You know, so we, <laughs> we go to Big Mama Thornton's hotel room, me and Michael Pickett, mm-hmm. and we're there and they're gabbing away for a while. And, he, he, you know, she's drinking some stuff of a mason jar, this clear liquid. I don't know what it was, napalm or something. <laughs> and so we're in her hotel room. She goes, uh, and so Michael says, so, so yeah, what do you want to do about rehearsal? What, what would you like? What, what would you, and she says, do you know how to play in C? And Mike goes, yeah, rehearsal's over. <laughs> that was it. So, and then, uh, so on, who was on, uh, uh, do you ever heard of Sugarcane Harris? No. He was a violin player. He was on the same bill. I think he was the headliner. So it was Big Mama Thornton and John Lee Hooker. And John Lee Hooker, you, you know, forget 12-bar blues, forget that. You just have to watch his hands because he's going to change when he changes, right? So you never know when he's going to go to the four or the five. Or you just watch his hands and hope you're going to go with him, right? He doesn't even give you a cue. No, no, there's no cues. Forget that. And was there, I guess there were no rehearsals. No, there were no, no rehearsals at all. Yeah. Just the way you went, right? But uh, that was a lot of fun. Very nice people, like really, really nice people to play for, you know. And did you realize at that time who you were playing with? I did then. Funnily enough, you know, I had never heard of Etta James. I didn't know anything about her when I played with her. And the guitar player said, you're an idiot. <laughs> I, said, I said, I don't know. I had never heard of you. And then I had to pretend, oh, yeah, Etta, she's great, you know. And then I quickly found out how spectacular she was, you know. 
And uh, but I heard I was told that she really liked you. Apparently, uh, she liked the band in general. Yeah, and uh, she always asked for us back. You know, when uh, there was a few different inceptions. I remember uh, keyboard players, especially. Uh, there was Grant Slater, Dave McMorrow, Dennis Keldy, and uh, the rest of the band was pretty much the same. Uh, Mike Solosky played, and Bodan, uh, Michelle would be the, mm -hmm. the drummer, and um, and Wayne Mills was the sax player. And they were fun. She was a lot of fun to play with and work with, you know. And at this point, are you a musician full time? Yeah, I was actually, you know, I could pay my rent, you know, to playing music. And um, so it was a pretty vibrant scene. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, you were making a lot of money, but then everything's relative, you know. So, mm -hmm. I mean, like I was playing with the Cameo Blues Band for years. Uh, we were the house band there at the Cameo Lounge and the... I forget what we were making. It was like 125 bucks each a week, but it was more than enough to, you know, to get in lots of trouble with, you know. You know? And, uh, yeah, so. And then you also, in a, we're going to get back to music, but you also do a lot of art. Right. So where did that love of painting come <clears throat> from? I was always doing that too, but right back from uh, uh, when I was young, you know, like, grade school I was always drawing or doing something and then actually after finished high school I went to art school I went to Humber College for fine arts program and then I went to uh, it's now called the Emily Carr School of Art but it was a Vancouver School of Art so I went there for a year or two and uh, and then uh, with the goal of becoming an know. artist well you know it was great when I went to Humber College the first thing the teacher said was, she says I don't want to discourage you but you'll you'll be lucky if 10% of you here even make a living from art right mm -hmm. so uh, but it was a reality you know <clears throat> but um it's just something i feel i need to do you know i get these spurts and i gotta paint all right you know and has that been throughout your whole life that you've painted yeah pretty much like at the same time i was doing I was all that playing uh you know when you could play all the time i was painting a lot and i was entered lots of shows and all that kind of stuff and uh and then uh, and then life came along you know you have a, a daughter and you and you go okay i think i have to make a living now so, you know, so things change. So, but, uh, I mean, uh, Sandra's been so supportive, you know, and you need someone like that in your life, especially when you're an artist and musician. Right? It's your mother's worst fears, you know. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> so, Two great occupations. Yeah, exactly. So uh, she's, you know, uh, you know, thank God she's always been so supportive. And same with my daughter. My daughter thinks I'm nuts. But she goes, well, that's nice, Dad. Yeah. And she's going like, whoa. <laughs> so, but, um, but, I mean, it's hard to describe your paintings. But mm -hmm. if you... If, if you if people who are listening are interested, right. they should go to your website, which yeah. is uh, bobomartonic.com and and see the examples of what you paint because right. it's it's indescribable. Well, so I hear <laughs> it's different. It's not indescribable, yeah. but it's unique and it's yeah. you, you know I've asked you this many times. It's like how did you think of that? And uh, you, you know you know I get that question so many times, even musically. People say, yeah. like, how do you think of that idea? And I never really think about it. It just kind of happens, you know. I find that curious. So let's talk about the creative process. Okay. Um, how does that, how does, how do things happen in, in your world of music or in your world of uh, painting? Uh, sometimes they're, they're pre-thought out. or they're, they're, But a lot of times they're like, and I know this sounds corny, but it's like a bolt of lightning. Mm -hmm. It's like, bing, you know, oh, geez, let's, you know, well, that's interesting. Like, here's a for example uh that song fire in the hole i don't know if you're familiar mm -hmm. with it so anyways we were playing a corporate uh, when there was corporate christmas gigs so i should say this is fathead you're back this is fathead yeah sorry and so we were playing a, a, and it was for a law firm 
And uh, usually these things, no one's listening, you know, and you just do the gig and you get paid quite well and, and away you go. So we're, we're playing and the first thing to do after the first one is turn down, please, because you turn down, okay, that's no problem. So by the end of it, I remember Ted and, and our mics weren't even on. We were just singing in the air. I don't even think our amps were on at the end of it. And so, you know, I'm saying, okay, let's just, we'll just get through this. And I'm looking at the floor and they have a mosaic on the floor. And it was the mosaic of a sun with rays coming out of it, right? And the middle of the sun, like a hole to me. Bang, and it went fire in the hole. And that's how that whole song came about. Just from that silly little thing on the floor. <laughs> you know? But that's how, you know, it, they, they just happen like that. You know, and, and, and painting's the same way. Like, for instance, uh, <clears throat> I'm doing a whole series of called Life Under the Halogen, right? Mm -hmm. And that came from painting houses. And you've got halogen lights in the ceiling. And they leave that kind of ellipse on the wall. Right. But there's nothing under the ellipse, right? And it's going, boy, they should have something displayed on that. And bang, bang, bang. So then I started doing all this whole series of bizarre animals, my love of animals, under uh, under the halogen lights. And then that uh, <laughs> morphed into bald heads poking through a wall with animals on them. And, and also your drummer, I believe. Yeah, Bucky's in that painting. That's right. I'm going to have to put that. I haven't put it online yet, that thing. So, uh, and his derriere is on the other side with the other two guys. Oh, I it's haven't two, seen that well, side. Well, it's a two-sided painting, right? So you're looking right, at the painting okay. from the front, and it's the three bald heads. Right. And there's three cups on each head, except uh, Bucky's head, who's the middle one, doesn't have anything under it. The other two have these frogs under it. Right. So the, the painting's called uh, uh, Find the Golden Toad. And the Golden Toad's a, a frog that lived in uh, Costa Rica that just almost just overnight disappeared in hmm. the 80s. They never found it again. So um, anyway, so that's what's supposed to be under Bucky's cup. So you walk around to the other side of the painting, and it's all three of them from the other side, right? So their heads are poked through the wall, and they're bent over, poked through the wall. And on their asses, they've got clown masks. And one's got his eyes covered, one's got its ears covered, and one's got its mouth. And it's like, hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. And all around them are golden toads hopping all over the place, right? So uh, See, I, I don't like, know how that happened. I, if you can figure it out, please let me know. I don't know if we should be able to figure it out. <laughs> but that, that, that's crazy. Like just, you know, it starts from the halogen light. And, well, yeah, and, it, it, things seem to morph. You know, they start from a little idea and they just morph into these ridiculous, you know, epic episodes. And do you think that they're weird or, I mean... Well, I, you know, heaven <laughs> forbid, I, you know, I do these things and I go, what am I doing, you know? And then it's just, I feel a need to do it. And I, and you do it for yourself, mm -hmm. you know, and, and if people like it, hallelujah, you know, and if they don't, they don't, but you do it anyways. And it, uh, constantly lately I've been met with, uh, you know, you're different, eh? Uh, and I didn't know how, I didn't, I, and I knew, you know, I, I don't know if I was different or whatever, but it's coming from creative people. And mm. so I, I never put it together. And I said, well, man, if these people are telling me that, and, and these are people I respect, mm -hmm. maybe I'm doing something that's a little bit different that maybe people you know, want to listen to or take a look at. So I'm kind of you know, paying more attention to what I'm doing now and going, maybe I should, because I'm not a, a, I'm shy by nature, which I think people might take uh, as being aloof or standoff. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, you'll find yeah. a lot of people like that, right? And so I, I realized that I have to get out there more. The only reason people are going to know that I'm doing something is if I put it out there. So at the, at the age of 62, I've decided, yeah, maybe I should put some stuff out there and just see what happens. So slowly it's starting to return now. Now, is that a difficult thing to do? It's getting easier, you know. Um, I, I started, like I go on a lot of shows, uh, art shows. And, um, and then musically I'm starting to 
put stuff out there too. I, I actually just had a meeting with a guy last night, and he's uh, it's a publishing company, and they're interested in putting songs in movies and stuff like that. So I signed something, and I, I you know. I mean, you're the other thing is you, you have written some great songs. Oh well, thanks. Yeah. You, you know, in the fat. Fathead catalog, there are certain songs that really stand out, and I've had the pleasure of shooting videos for some of them. Um, That's right. You did Just Another Day, right? Yeah, yeah I so like that. Just yeah. Another Day is a beautiful song. Yeah. It's a stunning song. That it's... came from uh, uh, Tony Flame, who passed away, right? And Tony Flame was the he singer for... He was a singer in Downchild, and, uh, and I just, I got to write something about, you know... Uh, it's every who knows what can happen in a second, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, so that's what it was. Just it's not just another day. It's like you know, every day is special. Mm-hmm. You know? So you have to kind of cherish the thought, you know. And, and yeah. do you live by that rule? Um, should I say yes? Just to yeah, if it, you yeah. could. <laughs> uh, well, I I don't know. You know, I I wake up and I go do the day job. I go do my painting, and uh, I mean, what's kind of interesting about that is is automatism, right? So it's just okay. So while I'm doing that, I'm making up things in my head, or you know, or, or thinking of songs, or, or you know, grooves, or uh, images in my head for for uh, for paintings, and try not to do it on the people's the clients' walls. You know. <laughs> but have you ever had a dry period? Like, has there ever been? Yeah. It, 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 once you like, uh, you'll write a song and you will go, "This is going to be the last song I ever write." I don't know. I, I'm sure lots of guys think that, mm-hmm. right? Because like, am I ever going to come up with something interesting? And then, then all of a sudden, that funny lightning bolt that I was telling you about shows up, and Bing, you know, you, you get another one. So, uh, but has there been uh, an extensive period of time where you haven't written or you haven't painted or not? Um, I'm always doing something. Like there might be intervals where I don't do anything, right? You know, but there's. Um, I can't say there's a, a year dry spell or anything. Well, that's the thing. Whenever I talk to you, there are things that you, you have in your mind that yeah. you're working on. And it's almost like there is this... It's a mess up there. Yeah. I, <laughs> but, but, but it's not... I've never talked to you where you said, oh, I, I got nothing. Like, yeah, I, no, it's always, I got tons of ideas. Yeah, I don't have enough time. That's, yeah, that's my big regret, you know, that before I leave the planet, I won't be able to put some of these really wacky things that I want to get done out there's there. There's more? Right? Yeah, there's sculptural stuff, and there's you know there's all kinds of stuff I want to do, and and you know musical stuff, and uh, and how do you how do you keep track of ideas? Like if you... I started to write them down, my okay. Sandra said, "Why don't you write some of these things down?" Right. So of course I've got thirty books. I can't find half of them. <laughs> I've written all these things. So, but I found some the other day, and I went, "Wow, I forgot about that one." And okay, when you remember it, can you easily? Picture? Well, it comes back again. Like it, it's kind of logged there in the in the you know the amnesia bank, and if I it I see it, I go, "Oh yeah, I remember what I was going to do there, or what I was going to do." Or same thing with music. Like a, I'll put I'm getting a little better on the computer, right? So uh, like I'll put ideas down there, just little snippets. And then I'll forget about it, and then I'll, I'll revisit. And go, oh yeah, geez, I forgot about that. And ideas are usually lyrics, or is it music? It could be anything. Lyrics. It could be a, uh, um, yeah, like, like that song, uh, "Drip Dry." You know, right. you know when, that came from. Uh, <laughs> Sandra was up at a friend's cottage, and she and she likes to, she doesn't like dishwasher. She likes to do her dishes ma- manually from the sink. And she goes, "Oh, I love to my dishes drip dry." And she came back. And said, "Oh, uh, what's her name?" The laughter guts out when she says, "Oh, I love to do my dishes drip dry." Bang! And there, the lightning bolt came and says, "Well, I like my sex drip dry." And she just said, "Huh?" You know? <laughs> and then, and then that's how that song started. It's a brilliant song. Oh, thanks. 
I decided I want to do hip hop. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Hip-hop, you know, I just want to do something along that line. So, um, so that's how that happened. They're, you never know how they're going to happen. There's but a, but it's crazy the, all these ideas that you have, and you just it's constantly coming out of you. Like I don't I don't understand how that happens because most musicians I talk to, they tend to have these dry periods. Or you know, you know I probably do, but but they're probably I don't call them dry periods because there's something else going on. You know, I might not be doing something musically, but it's offset by I'm thinking something mm-hmm. uh, uh, painting wise, you know, or or whatever. Or, Can you? Talk about the connection between the two. Is there a connection between the two, or do you treat it as two separate things? And I know that you you're trying to work on projects that will actually combine yeah, the combi- two. Yeah, integrate the two. But tell me the difference between you, the painter, and you, the musician. Um, I think playing music is more immediate. Mm-hmm. Like you can just pick up the instrument and and do what you want, right? Like I have no formal training, so I just pick it up and I start playing. So it's it's all wrong. You know, because I get this all the time. He says, "Well, you can't play that over a minor, but it sounds all right." And I, I said, "I'm sorry, I don't." <laughs> you know, no and, rules. Yeah, like like for instance, uh, the last uh, uh, Fathead CD release, uh, Fathead never Lance was on the gig, mm-hmm. and and uh, I think I think that was when he said, "Oh, I was dying to play a solo in that thing, but you didn't play the same bass part." I said, oh, I don't remember what I played because it was something about playing over a minor. He says, you can't. I said, I was dying and I, I screwed it up just because I can never remember what I play sometimes. I'll make up parts and then they kind of go by the wayside. <laughs> That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So you don't really care about rules and... Well, I do. There is, there's obviously musical rules you have to follow. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, I, I think I hear them sometimes, but I, like musically, if you told me you, you can't put the augmented seventh over I just go by <laughs> I have no idea what and do you write with the bass I write with the bass I have a guitar I write with the guitar too and it's the same thing I just pick it up and start flailing and then I go oh that was interesting and because I have no um, theory training you know like I don't know scales and stuff so the things I hear aren't necessarily normal things right so when I present them to the you know, guys in the band, and he goes, oh, "What is this?" He says, "You know, how you know," and and it and it made Ted said to me one time, and it made a lot of sense. It's a uh, muscle memory, you know, like because when you're learning things, you learn scales and stuff. It's a whole pattern you pit, play, right? You mm-hmm. know, and you just it's repetitive nature. So I don't, my repetitive nature is uh, you know thinking of the uh, Oxford blind toad. Well, you know, <laughs> you know, there's nothing. There's the connection. I, I, it, I just hear something in a, in a lick or something, and I find it interesting, right? And, the, and so I'll just keep practicing and practicing and practicing, and that's my muscle control, right? Just the repetition of it. Whereas a, a musician with theory or something will go, well, that's you know, that's not even a scale. What is that stupid thing, right? But, <laughs> and you still practice a lot? Um, not as much as I'd like to. You know, I am. Um, like you know, I'll finish painting the house, you know, during the day, and I'll come home and uh, and I feel uh, obligated to do something just to satisfy myself or to feel, uh, you know, to make myself feel good. So, uh, like I'm working on a painting now, and it's in the <laughs> it's in the bedroom because the boiler room's too cold, right? So I've got this great big canvas of this uh, this uh, New Guinea native. Uh, I found a picture of a New Guinea native smiling, which is rare because you never see them smiling. They want to eat your flesh, right? So, um, so this guy's got a great big smile, but his teeth are all rotten and they're falling out. And so we, Sandra and I wake up to that every morning. <laughs> and she says, this is kind of neat. I said, yeah. So I said, yeah, I better fix them up some more. So, you know, I'll go home at night and work on them. So can you paint anything that you can imagine? They never come out 
the way you want the paintings you want to like that the bald-headed painting mm-hmm. it got to a point where i went oh you know i, I this isn't working for me and uh, i'm going to paint the whole background white and just do it the way a light would be in a white wall and a friend of mine john tilden who's a guitar player was he said don't touch he said don't do that he says just keep doing what you're doing and thank god i listened to him because it came out the way it came out and i'm really happy with the way it came out but it, it, they never like in your mind you see something, right. but it just it never comes out the way you want it to come out. But it tur- you know, and it's hard figuring out when something's finished. When you go, that's it. That's enough. You can't you know because you can keep modifying forever. Oh, you can right? you can go on forever, right? So it's it's hard to put the brakes on. But it, all of a sudden it just happens. You, just, you know that's enough. You're not doing anything more to this, and it works. So you, I know you've done shows, but tell me about a, your career as a painter. Like where is it at? Um, well, uh, I'm working on some commissions now. Uh, I had, I just had a painting in a show at Todd Morden Mills. Um, I, I just entered these things and, and what I'm realizing is no one's going to know about you unless you put it out there. Mm-hmm. So like the, the commissions I got, I was painting a, a client's house in Stouffville and I had his house keys for like a month. I said, Jesus, I better give his keys back to him. Right. So I had went to go pick up a painting that I had in a show in the Stouffville gallery there right and uh i had it in the back seat of the car and so i went to give him his keys back he said oh what's that i said oh it's a painting i had in a show up there and he goes well let me see that so leave it here so i left it there and the next thing you know he wanted four paintings and then then there's that halogen so series he, he just said leave it here he says you leave the painting here i, I want to look at this for a while so i left it there it was a oh it was a snake and a hummingbird uh, I, I don't know if you've seen it, it it's, I don't a, think so. it's a this snake called uh lancehead viper it's an eyelash viper from costa rica and uh they sit on branches their, their temperature sensors are so acute like they 100 one 800th of a degree they can tell so like a hummingbird will come by they just sit there motionless and as soon as it's close enough they grab it right so it's a picture of one of these snakes and a, and a hummingbird called the doctor's hummingbird under the ellipse of a halogen so he saw that and he said i said so what do you want me to do i said you just do more like that i said well okay sure so i did three other ones and then i'm going geez and while you're doing them is he gonna like them like is he gonna like what i picked for them and all well, this especially good? when he says just do just that. do them and i went so okay jesus so i took the pains i was nervous as it would all get out right so i take him there and i unwrap the first one and he a big smile breaks out in his face went, and then i take out the rest and his wife's there and they ran up and gave me a great big hug and said we want two more so they ordered this a great big one but they don't want to know what it is it's just you just keep go ahead and doing it so I'm doing it. What I've done is I found, he likes old buildings. Mm-hmm. He likes dilapidated old buildings. So I found this picture of an old beauty salon that's all dilapidated with the old hair dryers in it and stuff and the walls all peeling. And, uh, and then I found this New Guinea native. I don't know if you've ever seen them. They're, like, yeah. they're just outrageous with feathers. You know, they make all these things. So I'm calling it the Roswell Beauty Salon, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, the total makeover. So he doesn't, I uh, hope he doesn't hear this interview. So he, uh, <laughs> what are you I, delivering it? I'm still working on it. It's in the bedroom. He's still smiling at us. I just started working on the hair salon part. And um, do, do you get a lot of commissions? No, this just started happening recently. <clears throat> so, um, that, but that's the fluke of it all. If I, he had never seen that, that would have never happened, right? So uh, I just got to get out there more. Well, you know, I think that's true. I mean, in, in the interviews that I've done, and you always wonder, well, how did this happen? And oftentimes it wasn't planned, but it was just that they were out there or yeah. something happened that you didn't expect to and then boom yeah, and then it, it just happens yeah. yeah so i was saying musically like this friend who came uh i grew up 
in Winnipeg with his older brother, right? And uh, he phoned last year and said, hey, I'm coming into town. I said, oh, geez, Don, I haven't seen you in you know, 9,000 years. Sure, I'd love to see you. I said, what are you doing out here? Oh, I'm in the music business. I said, are you stupid? <laughs> said, you know, like the music business, how the heck did you ever get involved in this? He was a professional hockey coach. Like he went all over the world in England and Germany, you know, coaching hockey. Right. So I said, how did this happen? He said, well, a, a friend of mine who was a, a lawyer, an international lawyer, decided to cash out. He loves music and he wants to get into music publishing. I said, oh, okay. So he came over, and I actually asked Mike Von Ferrer to come over too, because he's you know got lots of experience and all this kind of stuff, right? And so uh, he came and he said, "Oh, I think your stuff would be really, uh, in, you know, we could pitch it into movies and stuff." So that's so, their role. As th- so, this company is that's out there. what they want to do. There, okay. it's a it's it's called a Americana Roots and Roots Music or something. And I think that what they're doing is getting into publishing and that type of stuff, mm-hmm. right? So um, yeah. So, but had he never heard the stuff, you know, I would have never heard from him. And so I just saw him last night, actually, he just came. So, so we'll see what happens, but yeah, it's just from getting heard, you know, that kind of well, thing. I think, yeah, for everything, I think it's being out there. Yeah, it's, it's just being out there. Things. And that's what I'm not good at, right? But it was really, it was interesting talking to him last night because I told him, I said, Don, I'm not a schmoozer. I'm not a hustler. I'm kind of sh- I'm in the background guy. And he says, you know, it's funny. He says, because I've been starting to deal with people like yourself. And he says, what they do is create. He says, what you do is create. Mm-hmm. He says, we're the other end of it. We're trying to get you out there. And so I said, well, I'm glad there's guys like you out there because, you know, I would never, you know, do that type of thing. I'm, See, I'm I get the impression that you would have done it anyway. Like you would continue to write and paint oh, yeah. all the time. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, Whether I, I, there's yeah. anything that this is what motivates you. Yeah, it's just a, it's a need. You know, it's, it's a funny uh, spiritual need. I don't know what, how to call it. But it, it just makes you feel good. Like, it's funny. I took a course in meditation, mm-hmm. uh, in, in Zen meditation. Uh, it was Korean. And so, um, yeah, I, you know, I just wanted to check it out, right? So I take this course, and uh, the monk, uh, you know, I asked him, hey, can I do this without being a Buddhist? Like, I just would like to learn how to meditate. Well, half an hour later, he said, do you understand what I said? I went, huh? What are you talking about? <laughs> I said, I guess so, yeah. I didn't have a clue what he was talking about, right? So then he was away the next class, the next week, and his one of his disciples was teaching, and he was a North American fellow. I said, hey, do I need to take Buddhism? He says, no, no, no. He says, you can just meditate, you know, learn the, the thrills of meditation. So I did it for a while, and uh, I never stuck with it. But uh, I read different books, and then uh, there was it's about losing time. Right? What, what was interesting is... Their whole thing in the Zen meditation was to to get to the beginner's mind, and I said, "Well, Jesus, I'm there already," you know, because <laughs> you know, their whole thing is well, making your mind completely absent of stuff, right? And I said, "Hey, <laughs> join my church," or you know, so. Um, but it's about losing time, you know. And funnily enough, that's what music's about. Like you, you, you just yeah. you know, you're lost in your own world up there, right? And I presume painting is and the painting same. Painting's the same way. Like I'll paint and I'll go. Eight hours have gone by, but you're just lost in the thought, you know. And the same with music, you know, it just kind of disappears. And you know, all you'll play a set and you'll go, "Wow, it's over already." You know? Did you ever find it frustrating that you weren't out there and pushing yourself more, or is that? I mean, I presume you, like it sounds like you've been busy all the time, anyways. Yeah. Um, it's weird, you know, because what you do or I do or what other people do creatively is you're really exposing your innermost self, right? Mm-hmm. So you're uh, you're under critique or under the eye. And I mean, earlier on in my career, I'd, I know I'd, I'd take, not offense, but I'd, I would go, oh, I'm done, you know, no one likes this stuff or whatever. And you can't take it personally because it's so subjective, right? 
So um, after a while, you just become resilient and you just say, well, I'm doing this anyways and screw you guys and, and see what happens. So, but you're, you're, you're putting yourself out there. You're naked. You know, mm-hmm. You're putting yourself out there and, and you want people to like it and they might not like it, you know. And like I said, it's subjective. Everybody likes something different, you know. I like snakes. Other people like cats, you know. How, how strange yeah I know I don't I can't figure that out yeah, that's Especially their problem the people yeah, yeah that's their problem <laughs> but as a, like you you've always played with a band was it yeah. a, easy to get into bands yeah I never had a problem getting into bands I uh, there was always something happening you know and uh, I've been fortunate that way you know? so you were with Wooden Teeth which for people outside of Toronto or outside yeah. of parts of Canada wouldn't know but Wooden Teeth was a pretty but yeah, apparently, like, like at, at the time, I never th- didn't think any, you know, I didn't know that we were as well thought of as uh, we now hear. Right? <laughs> and so, um, and I guess we were a bit ahead of our times. Like we didn't realize that at the time because it was a real amalgamation of music and uh, styles of music, like blues and funk and reggae. And it was, you know, it was an interesting uh, brew of stuff, right? Right. And then... Um, and then after that, where I played with, yeah, I was always in a band because I'm a side man, you know, I'm a bass player, so I was always uh, just playing with different people, and I I join something and stick with it because that's what I like to do, you know. So um, I, I, you never really had a downtime, so to speak, you know. I mean, things get slow, mm-hmm. but there's uh, I was always playing. You know? And then with Fathead, mm-hmm. it's more of a band. You're not a side oh, yeah. man. Yeah, no, it's a definitely a band atmosphere for sure. And uh, so tell me a little bit about Fathead and how that came about and. Um, Al had been playing in a band called Mondo Combo mm-hmm. and uh, that kind of came to an end and he decided he would just start another band right so there were a few different people had gone through it and um, then oh, Dave Gray said oh hey Al's got some gigs you want to do some gigs and I said well sure so I did them and hung in there for a while and then there was a whole crew that went through the thing right uh, Tony Flame was a singer mm-hmm. for a while and uh uh, oh, different drummers, God, Mike Fitzpatrick, Ed White, uh, and it just kind of, then it reached, uh, and then John came to sing one time, and uh, it just kind of developed into, Al just got lots of gigs, and we showed up, you know? <laughs> and then we started writing, and into, and rehearsing, Al was a great one for rehearsing, and I, I have to commend him on that, because if you don't rehearse, you don't go where you go, right? Mm-hmm. So we would rehearse, you know, once a week all the time, and um yeah, and it just turned into, you know, and everybody's got their input and, you know, you know what they want to say, in, you know, musically or in songs and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, and it just it turned out to be a good mix and, and away we went. What was it like when you first heard John Mays? Um, it was a sports bar on Vaughn Street. Vaughn and St. Clair. He was, and it was the shitty gig. It was ridiculous. And John was there. And well, John was great, right? So, John, and he was he was singing for your band, or he someone? was just he was the uh, the you know he was just another singer. We need a singer for this gig, and and Al asked John to show up. And so, John wasn't a blues singer. He was more from an R and B background. Mm-hmm. So um, he was great. You know, he was doing his thing and you could tell he with a bit of trepidation because he didn't know blues music that well right but he got through it and then uh and then when he's in his own idiom holy mackerel you know, mm-hmm. it was kind of unbelievable you know so and then uh yeah it just developed from there and then it, it became uh ted teddy and myself and uh, ed white mm-hmm. and al and uh, and john and then uh, and al's a real go-getter right so he makes things happen so that's why i'm a side guy 
<laughs> did you ever have thoughts of doing other than being a psychic? Did you ever want to be a front person? I have no desire whatsoever in the world. I'd have a heart attack <laughs> if I had, you know, hi, hi, everyone. <laughs> but you sing. Yeah, it's even that, you know, like a, uh, that's just a recent thing within the last few years. And I'm more comfortable with my voice now. And people tell me, oh, you can sing. You should, you know. And so, um, yeah, so that's a more recent thing. But I'm, I'm much more comfortable with my voice now. So uh, that's just another development, you know. And that's, I mean, when you write songs for Fathead, well, I guess, I, do you write songs for Fathead? Or do you just write songs and then sometimes they go to Well, no, I, yeah, like I, John's got a million songs in him, but he doesn't know it, right? Mm -hmm. So I ask him to, you know, we, I talk to him all the time. You know, he, he tells me these stories about down south and all this nonsense. And then there's a, so there's a song there, you know. And so uh, he wrote, it, there was this, uh, he was telling us about this bug, um, this little bug called a doodle bug. And the kids would play under a porch, right, in the sand, and they'd draw little circles like this in the sand. Mm -hmm. And this bug would come out and start following their finger around in circles, right? And so, uh, so I said, well, there's a song, right? So I, I had I wrote this thing, uh, back, the Back Bug song. Mm -hmm. And Al had a couple of lines in it too. So we amalgamated it and all and it came out into the song. And then funnily enough, I was reading James Brown biography. And all of a sudden, he started talking about a doodle bug. And I said, holy mackerel. So then I had to find out what a doodle bug was, right? So I researched and it's, it's called an ant lion. And it's this wacky little, here's my nature lesson for the day, fellas. I it's thought this, we had a few already. No, 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 no <laughs> it's, it's just start. It's, this, it's called an ant lion. And it builds uh, like a, a pit, right? And it stays in the bottom. It's a cone. It's in the bottom of the pit. And it just stays in the bottom. And when an ant comes around the circle, outside the circle, it, start, it falls. And it can't, it can't climb up the side because it's sand, right? And the ant line flicks sand at it to force it down to its jaws and then it eats it. And that's hmm. what a doodle bug was. Yeah. Wow. So there'll be a quiz after this. <laughs> so, so, all right, let me just take notes. <laughs> <laughs> so you were talking about John having songs in him. So yeah. he relays these stories to you and then... Yeah, I try to... Or, and or if I'm writing songs, I'll write songs thinking of John, you know, how mm -hmm. he would sing them and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, he, he told us a story about Conkaline. I said, Conkaline? I said, what the L is Conkaline? He says, oh, that stuff you put in your hair to make it stay down straight, right? And I said, what a name. I said, there's a song there, Conkaline. And then he was telling me stories about they would make, you know, their own Conkaline with lye in it. And they put too much lye and guys would burn their hair off. <laughs> it was, yeah. So I said, oh, yeah, there's a few songs in there. But he's got stories like that. And, and you know, so I, I always, I'm trying to think what other ones that he mentioned to me that might have turned into a song. So what are you doing these days? What are you up to these days? Uh... Because the band isn't working as much as they used to. No, I just did a... a you remember Darren Poole? Mm -hmm. I just finished an album with him. So Darren used to be a, a guitar player for yeah, he, Fathead. Yeah, he was a guitar player for Fathead. So he's just done his own album. And uh, so it was a great studio called Catherine North in Hamilton, an old church. It's a oh, okay. Beautiful I think I... studio. Yeah, it's a really nice studio. So we did that, and uh, it was really interesting material, real good stuff, and... Uh, did that, and then, and then Al's doing a, another solo album, so next week, I'm learning the songs, Al, I promise I'm learning them, so <laughs> for next week, so he's going to the studio next week, and then, uh, yeah, there's a few things happening, uh, I, I'm recording a whole bunch of my own stuff now, just uh, to do it, and I don't know what to do with it, because uh, who knows where the music industry is Would you is ever going. do a solo album? Well, that's the whole idea, so I've got, oh, okay. I got Mike Fonfair, because I have a, I, I had this idea of doing a, an album called Influenza, it's a... Uh, 
Yeah. It's a disease, right? So it's blues inspired musings. <laughs> so, it's, so I do that. and then I have, <laughs> so I, for years people said, oh, you should put stuff out of your own. Do, why don't you do it? And oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So I've said, and, and so a friend of mine said, yeah, you should do an album called Too Fucked Up for Fathead. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so I, I'm going to try and do this blues themed album. And then there's another one with. Salt. I mean, it's kind of tough because if you put out an album, you kind of have to play well, live not, to support well, it. Well, I'm not. You see, I won't be doing that. So I'm going, okay, so why am I doing this? You know, but I'll just do it. And I, like, I don't know what to do. It was so, funny. I was talking so to Why Alabama. would you say no for sure? Like, why would you not do a gig? Well, okay, I shouldn't say no for sure. Okay, but I, not, I, I, I can't see myself. I mean, trying to get it together, <laughs> that would be worth a documentary in itself. <laughs> Omar tries to get a gig together. <laughs> he brings his pets to the gig. You know what I mean? So uh, who know, who knows? I, I shouldn't say no. I don't know, but I uh, I just feel I'm gonna. You know, everybody's bugged me for so long. I'll just record this stuff, record which is it. a lot easier to do. Yeah, that's that's an easy part, right. right? And technically, you could just release it as a digital thing. Well, that's what I was th- like. I was talking to Al. Actually, I talked to Al today, and he says, "I don't know if you know." you know if i'm doing the right thing like people don't buy cds anymore mm-hmm. and you know where's it all going and i said i'll just do it i mean you know and because uh, everybody's thinking the same thing you know right so now. tell me about how you view the the business of music that you're in because things have changed drastically oh, from yeah. from the late 60s early 70s to now i don't know i'm always asking other people you know like my my daughter's boyfriend's a musician He's 20-something. Wait, you're letting her go out with a musician? Oh, yeah, yeah, right. And you know what's really scary? She she, 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 (laughs) She likes reptiles. He does. He does. This is really... And she says to Sandra, my wife, she goes, Mom, he's just like Dad. (laughs) I hear that happens every so uh, often. Yeah, so... uh, Really, a great kid. Great kid. (laughs) So, but... um, Yeah, so, but we... I talked to him. I said, you know, he's... uh, They had won an indie contest thing, and... uh, and it's interesting when he listens to he likes the Beatles and listens to old stuff and uh, the first time he came to see Fathead play and he he came out and he says he, at the end of the show he says wow like you guys can play like you know they have this vision that these old you know these old farts they don't know what they're doing but he was he went like oh mackerel so that was kind of inspiring to see that he was really kind of knocked out and he's, he's come again but he, but I asked what he, they do and like they got to pay to play and it's just ridiculous what they have to do these days mm-hmm. you know it's and if you, you you play with like four other bands, and you got to guarantee you'll bring X amount of people, and it's just crazy, you know. It's but that's what they got to deal with. But what wants, what makes them play is the passion. That's like what we had when we were twenties. They just want to play. Unfortunately, there's not enough places to play, and like where we honed all our skills was playing seven nights a week, you know, because that's for years key and to years becoming and years better, and years. right? Yeah, and playing with people too, you know, interacting with people because they all have different things to bring. And there's always some little lick or something that you can steal from them or, mm-hmm. you know, some little thing like that. And I don't know how younger bands do it today. Like other than the 24th Street Whalers that are just on the road all the time, which right. is wild, you know. But uh, I think they're the exception. I could be wrong, you know. No, I think it's tough out there. Yeah. I, just, I don't know how, I mean, you know, there was a time when people would say, you know, my, my son is in a band. And you think, well, that's great. Yeah. And now you think, oh, my God, yeah, yeah. I'm oh, sorry yeah. to hear that. <laughs> that's right. I'll be supporting him for the rest of my life. But do you approach music differently because of it? No, there's all this. What I think about now is how, how do you get it heard now? You know, like, what do you, how do you get your music heard? What do you do? I think video games. Well, you know, funny, this is what this guy told me today or yesterday. He says, oh, yeah, like, you know, uh, that's a huge market is music mm-hmm. on the video games, which I never really thought of, you know. And, uh, and then there's this other thing. Um, 
uh, you ever heard of Oculus? No. It's this my cousin up north. He's a, a gamer. He has his own company, and it's this thing you put on your face, and then you put your your actual phone on there, and then I guess you download this app. And all of a sudden, you're in this other world. I loved it. Because <laughs> anywhere you look, like, it changes with you, right? right. So they had this, he had like this two-minute clip of being underwater in a coral reef. And like real, right. you know, real footage. But when you move your head, you know, there's the turtle. And as you move your... Like, it was unbelievable, right? It was amazing. But he was talking about that. Like he says, uh, that coming out for the software. I'm trying to remember, For the, the sound. Because as you move your head... The sound would change too, right? right? In these instances, so uh, it's like it's, I can't keep up with this. But stuff that's more of a soundscape thing as opposed as a to music, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So um, I don't know where music is going. I really don't. You know, I mean, one thing interesting he said last night. He says people will always listen to music. Mm-hmm, they will always sure. want to listen to music. It's just how do you get it? How do you do it these days? You know. So I don't know. Well, I mean, you're always creating it anyway, so yeah. why not continue with that? Oh, yeah, well, I'm never going to stop, right? You know, yeah. there's too many things to write about. I've and do you write to, for other people at all? Like, have you? I've been asked to. Uh, so uh, I'm actually supposed to do th- a couple of things with a few people. So I, uh, they're collaborations. I've, I've never done it, so I don't know kind of how it'll go. Right? Oh, okay. People have asked me for songs, you know, right. and so I've done that. So trying to find something appropriate is interesting because, you know, kind of how I write so <laughs> but I guess people find it interesting well or, yeah you know. obviously if they asked you yeah so that's another avenue to follow too right but you've never actually collaborated other than with Fathead yeah no, other than with Al and usually be like a half finished idea and here Al can you can you think of something to do with that or and basically that's how they come together right you know but sitting down together well actually we sat down in a hotel room in Calgary some one time we were out there and kind of goofed around together <clears throat> so it's just a whole different thing because I'm so used to just doing things my way you know uh, t- to uh, trying to open up and take in the other ideas and make them work and try and get into the other person's perspective you know and go that way too it's, it's a challenge you know well it sounds like you're still really busy with these different ideas and you know I'm, oh yeah it's a real crap show up here <laughs> in the gray matter it's lots going on up there all the time so you have your commissions paintings are there other things you're working on from the from a painter's point of view uh, well I got lots of paintings I want to do tons of like how many are you working on right now uh, I got I got to finish the bald head the backside of the bald head painting the derrieres so I got to finish that one so is Bucky actually modeling for you on this I I <laughs> I actually got them to come over. They're wearing clothes and everything. Right? Okay. And I said, bend over and put this clown mask on your ass and hold it there. And Bucky just goes, okay. <laughs> well, Bucky knows you. He knows me. He says, okay, yeah. So, um, so I had him and then this other fellow and, uh, uh, and another guy. come. A friend. Actually, I used uh, Allison's boyfriend, I want him. For his derriere, so uh, so yeah, they were all, you know. So are you taking a picture or do they have to actually stand there no, for I take, hours? No, I take a photo. Okay. And then, and then I got this great, like I'm slowly entering the technology world, right? So I used to have a, a projector, like an overhead projector, where you put the, the picture under that. Right. And then I, I found this thing, uh, it's called uh, a Flare 100. It's made by Artograph, and it's about the size of your hand. And it's a projector, right? And you can put a USB stick into it, or your camera, actually, or, uh, or your computer, you can plug into it. And uh, it, it downloads the image and then shoots it either four inches square or nine feet square and it's got like 25 different grids in it it can play movies on the thing it can uh it, it uh, plays music 
I mean, I could probably make dinner in the thing. Who knows? It's, I, but I'm so flabber. Like technology outpaces itself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's amazing what's out there. So, anyways, that's sped up a lot for me for the painting. I don't have to grid paintings out anymore and stuff. So, um, yeah, so there's tons of ideas. We have more commissioned paintings to look forward to. Mm-hmm. We have a bunch of other crazy ideas as well as your music that you're hopefully putting out. Either the what was it called? The- Inf- influenza. Bluenza. In Bluenza. I'm sorry. You correct me. Thank you. I forgot already what it was called. <laughs> so there's a lot of things going on. Yeah. yeah there's uh, lots of wild musical things and, uh, and uh, sculptural art projects I want to do. Have you done much of that? No. Uh, I, did, uh, <laughs> I did one. Uh, it's called The Ultimate Fishing Lure. And I had it at Nathan Phillips Square about 30 years ago, 20 years ago. And... Uh, it got lots of attention. It was a, it was a, it was a, you know, I built a glass case with sides and it was a piece of fly paper hanging in the middle and I painted the flies heads all different colors. Right. And I had this swarm, you can buy these dried fish at the Asian supermarkets. Mm-hmm. So I had this swarm of dried fish coming out from the bottom, swarming around the fly paper and it was called the ultimate fishing lure. And, uh, I, so I want to redo it now. I got another idea for that. And there's, there's this thing I want to build. It's a, uh, uh, like a table it looks like a nice piece of furniture but there's this big barnacle on the top and uh, in the inset and, and I, what I did is I made a, remember you know those World War II mines mm-hmm. the, the, the underwater mines right. that were the spheres with the little Spikes. sticks yeah. so I made one of those out of styrofoam and I, I made it look like a rusty old mine with special paints and stuff so what I want to happen is I want this barnacle to open up like this and then a fan will blow this mine up and it'll just hover in the air like this right and uh, there's going to be music to it and stuff like this. And, and uh, then that, that's the female, and there's going to be a male one, too. That's the next, you know, that's further down the road. You have such an amazing mind. No, it's just all screwed up. So no. if you haven't seen any of Omar's paintings, you have to go to his website, which I will list out on the description, because it's, it's just different. But I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down well, with me today. Well, thank you for uh, indulging me and putting up with my wackiness you know (laughs) because i needed you to get out more well i had to get out more yeah (laughs) thanks a lot thank you